0: You know, 20 years is such a long time to be president. Like, I can't even imagine what you would do in 20 years that would require 20 years for you to do it. You know, Putin's been there so long, uh, and all he's done is run a dictatorship. I think it's horrible.
1: Seriously, I mean, and you know, he extended his term limits, or he extended uh, the time he can, he can serve as president uh, through a referendum where he didn't even really tell the people who were taking the referendum that his term limits would be extended. It was kind of fraudulent. And, you know, he's known for election fraud. He's known for all kinds of stuff. That's the reason he's been in power for so long. And I think he's just, he wants to stay in power for as long as he can in order to shape Russia in his own
0: image. So, yeah. He's very scared. And even if he directly doesn't stay in power until whenever he's just going to groom someone else. Exactly. uh, Position for him. And that is something that I think we definitely cannot afford. Right, absolutely.
1: Well, hello
0: everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Blue South Politics Podcast. This episode officially marks the beginning of Season 2. You can now expect our team to record a podcast every Monday and Saturday with rotating co-hosts. Today,
1: we'll be venturing into international politics, specifically regarding the protests in Belarus and the poisoning of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. But first, here are the news headlines. Multiple NBA teams abruptly boycotted their games on Wednesday and Thursday to protest the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The Milwaukee Bucks were the first team to boycott their game against the Orlando Magic, and this led to a chain reaction causing other games on Wednesday to be postponed. The boycotts and postponements continued into Thursday as NBA stars and management met to discuss whether to continue the season. Ultimately, the NBA decided to continue the season, but it is widely considered as a historic moment in NBA and sports history. Daniel, what are your thoughts on this?
0: You know, specifically, every single time that uh, I've even tried to bring this up with uh, anyone, they always tell me we should be keeping politics out of sports. Sports should be something that everyone can enjoy. And I 100% agree with that, except for the fact I believe that politics has a place in sports. It's up to the players uh, to advocate for what they believe in not for what they're told to believe in. I think it's horrible that the owners currently are controlling the players, and I think it's good that the players are finally taking a stand uh, for what they believe. And I think it's totally good if uh, like, uh, players like LeBron James, uh, huge, huge faces of the industry, can finally speak their voice and uh, not rely on a contract in order to tell them what to say, how to say it, what to do. What about you? What do you think?
1: Absolutely. And also, I, I'm really happy that Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, um, is allowing the players to take a stand. He's really, um, you know, allowing them to speak their minds freely. And, uh, you know, I think this is, this, is a, this is a watershed moment for all of sports. I think, I think um, all the other leagues, like the NFL and the MLB, will start to follow the lead on with the NBA. Um, and I think uh, we will start to see more, you know, activism within the NBA – A lot of the players are already really into, you know, racial activism and social activism. So I think it's a really good thing um, that's happened. And I think the boycott was a really good way to draw attention. So, yeah.
0: Daniel? Uh, Yeah, not only that, but I think none of of the messages that they're spreading are uh, negative in any way. They're all very positive. Uh, Each message that they're trying to show is something that's trying to benefit the entire community right? All they're saying is black lives matter. I don't know. Right? Once again, we've repeated this in how many episodes, but none of these messages are violent messages. And it's very good that they're letting the players uh, speak them on their jerseys, uh, for instance, or, you know, just by boycotting because that's everyone's right to do what they want. But in more sad news, actor Chadwick Bozeman, uh, renowned for his known roles in 42, uh, Black Panther, he died of colon cancer at the age of 43 yesterday. Ah, uh, his death shocked the entertainment world. With many of his fellow movie co-stars paying tribute to him on social media, uh, he was widely seen as an icon for black cinema because of his roles playing King T'Challa, uh, Third Good Marshall, and Jackie Robinson. Wow, I was absolutely shocked by this when you told me yesterday because I remember I watched Black Panther. I loved that movie. I thought it was one of the best. Uh, movies that I had seen at all. And I thought it was a really good movie about black empowerment. I thought it was a really, really good movie about uh, so many things. And it was more than just a superhero movie. Ronan, did he impact you as well?
1: Absolutely. I remember watching that movie multiple times. You know, I think that was, what, two or three years ago um, in 20, uh, 2018, 2017. I can't remember when I when I watched it first. But it was, an, it was an extraordinary movie. And, you know, his death took me by surprise as well. I had no idea he even had colon cancer He kind of kept it under wraps um, for better or worse, but, you know, he was a great actor. He's a Howard graduate. He was a big symbol, um, you know, for black cinema, as I, as you said. Um, And, you know, he died way too young. Uh, He, he had so much more to give to this world. So we're praying for his family. And um, yeah. yeah.
0: And I may add just one more thing. I think the fact that he showed what, what a person can do even at the age of 43 on play all these prominent roles and the fact that his team, his management team didn't want to reveal the fact that his colon cancer, uh, probably not to scare anyone. I thought was a very, very uh, interesting decision. I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad decision or a good decision at all. I I think they left it, they left it in his own hands and he chose to handle it that way. Although it really did take everyone by surprise. And I'm really happy that everyone's rallying around him because he impacted so many people's lives.
1: Well, now it's time to move on to our main topic for this week, the unrest in Belarus and the poisoning of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. So in Belarus, protests have erupted um, in previous weeks in response to the corrupt election system there. As you know, the Russian or the I'm sorry, not Russian, the Belarusian dictator um, Lukashenko, he's been in power since the Soviet era, which surprised me. you know thousands have suffered, and they've been they 've jailed over six thousand protesters over the course of three nights. Women have been raped, uh, people have been jailed as political prisoners, and others are even too scared to go outside and This is b- just because Lukashenko does not want to relinquish his power. Uh, most people con- c- consider Belarus along with Russia um, the last standing Eastern European dictatorship. so things um, are in turmoil there. Um, And because of the selfish acts of the people in power at the top, things will never change. Um, Going into detail, Lukashenko has been in power since July 1994. um, And it's over two times the term limit of a U.S. president. And the fact that he's willing to sacrifice civilians so that he does not care about the people, but, um, but about power. So, Daniel, what do you have to say?
0: You know, I'd just like to mention that I have friends whose relatives live in Belarus. And from what they've told me, those relatives are too scared to even go outside. Like, that is how bad it is currently right Right now. Uh, it's very selfish of Lukashenko, uh, the fact that he lost to his opposition. He's not ready to handle it. But he is, is, is taking extreme measures to make sure that he does not get out of power. So currently, even though the protests have been going on for, for way more than a week, uh, he still shows no signs of bending to the protests. Uh, people are continuing going on in the streets to raise their voice, even when the government's threatening arrests or worse. Uh, but a coordination council was organized to help the transfer of power go peacefully, um, you know, maybe to solve this problem. Lukashenko refuses to work with them. <laughs> the first few days were met with over 7,000 arrests. And, um, of course, he has backing from Putin. <sighs> but whatever, whether he stays another term or not... Uh, he is definitely done for. Like this is a permanent stain on his reputation, and everyone knows it. Absolutely, um,
1: and also, um, like I said, he's he's probably been in Belarusian or he has been in Belarusian politics since you know the Soviet era, and you know he came to power after the fall. But you know he still has those ideals, right? The, that those dictatorial ideals of how to run a country. So yeah, that's what I wanted to add. But Daniel, you can keep going.
0: Of course. And uh, his opposition, Svetlana uh, (coughs) Tikvanovskaya, so she seems to have organized these uh, protests and sparked these protests, and she has fled Belarus, because I'm sure it's very, very dangerous for her to be staying there. And what's very interesting is, according to the government, uh, only five people have died. However hundreds of people are currently missing which means that either maybe the uh, government is trying to uh, either get rid of their bodies or uh, maybe even something worse trying to cover all of this up uh, which is is like a huge crime in of itself you know on Monday over 200,000 people uh, went to protest against the government uh, in Minsk the capital and Lukashenko said he's gonna fire all of the teachers that do not teach what they're told by the state-sponsored uh, government so yeah, that includes all material, probably including propaganda right that um, that
1: that is that is key for dictators, right they want to be able to indoctrinate you know the the younger generations with what they want, so of course he would put in um you know loyal teachers to or he'd he'd want to take out disloyal teachers um as well, and you know uh just just all just all this unrest is just you know it's just terrible and you know extra, du- extra judicial killings i think are have been happening too right daniel is that why we have missing people as well of like course. people yes, ki- yes, with yes. no trial no trials they're just putting them in jail maybe even just killing them so yes just- and you
0: can yeah you can even look it up and you'll see that there are like there are hundreds of images of being people being be- uh, beaten uh, men and women are also being raped i i'm serious they have they have been finding uh I don't even want to say it's horrible. It's what they are terrible, doing, yeah. Yes, they are. They have. It's it's really bad. They they have really gone to another level. But talking about the talking about the media, uh, they've actually even brought in Russian news anchors to replace the current Belarusian ones, wow. who have boycotted supporting the state sponsored news, and they have brought in. Russian news anchors who are going to report what the government tells them to report, right. and uh, last but not least, they are actually bussing thousands of Lukashenko supporters from around Belarus to Minsk <laughs> to support Lukashenko. Wow, uh, to show like, that's that's the level that they're going to bussing thousands of supporters to show. Oh, look, these people actually like us, but yeah. they are threatening them if they do not support them. And so I would like, to-
1: yeah, and I would like to add, um, you know. The, the situation in Belarus very closely mirrors the situation in Russia, right? You know, Russia also has opposition leaders and, you know, they have protests. They have many political protests. And you see what happens in Russia. Russia cracks down on them. The Russian government cracks down on those protests. And this is exactly what's happening in Belarus. Um, you know, we have a dictator similar to Putin who wants to stay in power. So, yeah, And But in terms of, you know, in terms of Russia, Alexander Navalny, who was the leader of the Russian opposition, a very powerful opposition leader um uh he was poisoned on a plane he actually started showing symptoms of the poisoning on the plane and he was diverted his the plane got, was diverted to omsk russia and he was put in a hospital there now it is very clear that it's most likely it was intended to kill him he he was killed obviously for political purposes we don't know if putin or the kremlin have anything to do with it yet but you know uh, we can we can we can um Assume that they must have had something to do with it, you know. He was, he's, um, he's actually called the man that he's actually called the man that Putin feel, uh, fears the most. So, Daniel, I mean,
0: yeah, it's obviously, yeah. yes. For me, this is a obvious uh, glare about Putin because obviously, Putin sees him as a threat. Uh, if you look in the past. Navalny has been targeted multiple times, including one time in 2017, uh, mm. where he actually had a chemical thrown on his face by a quote-unquote uh, supporter who wanted to get a picture with him. And that, that he said it, it really, really hurt him, of course, getting any chemical thrown onto your face. And uh, that's just one of the instances where he has been targeted and shows that he is one of Putin's biggest targets. Uh, Putin can easily just snap his fingers, order what he wants. But the most brave thing is that Navalny has stayed there. Uh, he has continuously stayed there. Uh, after It doesn't matter how many times Putin tries to scare him, uh, but he continues on protesting uh, with the opposition against Russia. But talking about this story, uh, this most likely happened because before his flight, uh, the only thing he ate or drank was tea. And what what they're what the german doctors are finding oh by the way we forgot to mention that uh after he was in omsk uh the doctors they didn't really know well they quote unquote didn't really know uh what was happening they said that it was very unlikely uh that he was poisoned and luckily his family uh, managed to fly him to berlin uh, where he was treated uh with you know where he was treated and doctors there determined that, yes, he was, in fact, poisoned and I will, uh, by a substance. Yeah. And, and
1: I will say, you know, in a, a hospital in Berlin is a much safer place than a hospital in Russia for him because he's a political – you know, he's, he's he's a political prisoner, right, uh, or a political um, target there. So for yes. him to be being treated in Berlin, that's a very that, – that's a much better place, and it's not biased, right? The doctors won't make a biased judgment or diagnosis, so – and also um, – you
0: know, yeah go I ahead. think my my favorite part that I've seen from this so far is that uh once the KGB heard about this they were like okay we have to we have to silence everyone who is who is like on the opposition right so the KGB actually released uh these these uh documents that show Anaviny's place uh where he was at what point in time essentially a stalking journal of him right and they released all of this to show oh okay look we did not poison him but of course you know they they I mean, you know, like we all we all know that. You know, <laughs> and, also, and also, why would they say that?
1: And also, Daniel, it, it, I think I think now it's called the Russian FS Federal Security Bureau. But yeah, but but I get what you're saying. Yeah, they they they've, they've been yes, tracking yeah. they've been tracking Navalny for a long time. You know, since he's a political target for Putin. And you know, one one thing that was interesting, which I learned while researching uh, this whole topic, is that he tried um, Navalny tried to run for president in 2018. But yes. the Russian Central Election Commission—I think that's what it's called—they um, they blocked him from running because he 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 was uh, you know they didn't like him because Putin uh, doesn't want him to run because he might actually have a challenger, a legitimate challenger, right? So it's another terrible thing. And you know, I think he's still—I think he's still in a coma right now in yes. Berlin.
0: He is in a medical and in, medically induced coma. Medically, yes. Yeah. So
1: you know, we hope he gets better. Uh, he is, you know, the last vestige of freedom and democracy in Russia. And Daniel, I think you added that he also has a YouTube channel called yes, exactly. uh, Navalny Live, I think. And, he, yes, also, and he and he um you know, he does exposes on what on corruption in Russia and things like yeah, that. Yeah, he so. has
0: over two million subscribers, which shows that he has people from all around the world who obviously tune in. And what's crazy about this is I didn't know who Navalny was until I would say about until two weeks ago. And what's interesting is that two weeks ago, I was watching uh, all the information that was happening in Belarus. And the person I was actually watching report it was Navalny. I was watching his YouTube channel. We were watching it. Four days later is when he got poisoned. It was incredibly like miraculous. I was like, wait, what? This guy, I only found out about him four days ago. And now he's already poisoned which really shows, obviously, they're not liking the stream of information, which right now it seems like this is the war against information and for information. Everyone wants to control what people hear, what people see, because they obviously don't want some things to be heard. Absolutely. Yes. And that is so scary that someone like Putin snaps his fingers, And someone can easily be just eliminated. Right. And and
1: it's a a testament to Putin's influence in Belarus and neighboring countries as well. Ukraine, he could do that to political to political targets there. Right. Couldn't he? He has the reach to, um, especially with his influence. So it it just shows, you know, the power that that Putin is consolidating in Russia. He is, you know, for better or or actually um, he is he is a dictator uh, and he will be for a long time. So, you know, we have to deal with that now.
0: One of the worst uh, parts about this was that when Navalny was actually in the hospital, he was not allowed to see his relatives, his family, not even his wife. And they literally, they were too scared uh, to see that something could be discovered by one of them or by someone else. Uh, That could be a threat to what everyone knows. Uh, And the fact that the only person allowed in uh, Around Navalny, at the time when he was in the coma in Omsk, uh, were the Russian state sponsored doctors, uh, which showed they easily could have been trying to drain uh, the poison from his body to make sure that uh, nothing could be found. And luckily, they flew him to Berlin in time to uh, hopefully save him once and for all. But the sad thing is that he's going to go right back to where he started. He's going to uh, well that's not sad I think it's great the fact that he's just going to persevere on for the fight uh and hopefully raise a generation that is ready to just overthrow Putin once and for all cuz I think that's 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 absolutely not- we do need
1: we, we need some we need some opposition to Putin we always it, he needs to be on the hot seat if we want him to ever leave office you know and I just I'm just so sick of having him I I just can't believe now that he's going to be president well into our adulthood and he's going to continue to cause trouble for the world. So yeah.
0: Anyways, that's all we have time for, for today. Thank you so much for listening to our first episode of season two. Lastly, remember to tune in every Monday and Saturday for a new podcast episode, but until next time I'm Daniel and I'm Ronan. And this has been the blue South. The blue South is made possible by David Vandele, who created our theme. And
1: also by the graphic designer who rebranded our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Gustavinsky8. And of course, special thanks to all of our listeners and Instagram followers. You are what keeps the Blue South going.